0: Thank you for joining us for our weekly Calvary Church podcast. Please take a moment and visit InvernessCalvary.com to get connected with us. We want to know what God is doing in your life through this ministry. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you may do so online. Now prepare your heart for a word that we pray will bless your life. Well, today we are going I'm going to share with you uh a, a standalone message that actually is going to kind of use, we're going to use it for a springboard for a series of messages that I'm going to share uh in 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 the month of May. And um I want to share with you a message called For I have commanded and uh it is it is it is the Lord speaking something To us, His people. Now, I'm just going to take you a little bit into my world. Last week, of course, was Easter. Now, on on Easter, um, you know, you really just try to over-prepare on Easter. You know, you're worried about all the the little things you're praying. You know, Lord, I I bind up the demon that gets into the soundboard sometimes. Okay, God, I bind that thing. We cast it out. Lord, all technological demons go in Jesus' name okay? You know, and, uh, uh, you know, we're like prophesying to alarm clocks for all of our volunteers. Uh, may the alarm clocks sound the alarm, God sound the alarm and may they get here on time and early and, and do what they're supposed to do, you know? And so sometimes on Easter Sunday morning, there's just a lot going on in the mind of the pastor. We're smiling, we're shaking your hand, but we're, we're, we're down the road, somebody, uh, somewhere else sometimes. Uh, uh, but in worship in first service last week, God dropped this thing in my spirit for this message, and because uh, I've been asking the Lord, I said, "Lord, what would you have me to share?" Uh, and and we got some great plan next week. Um, uh, but uh, I said, "Lord, what would you have me to share?" And the Lord uh, spoke this to me, uh, and, and then spoke a statement to me, uh, and He said, "I want you to preach." 1 Kings 17. Okay, I got that in worship. I'm like, which verse? And God's like, all of it. So get your Bible to 1 Kings 17. We're gonna read the whole chapter. You're like, we are gonna be here, man. All the Baptists are gonna be gone from the buffet. <laughs> it's not gonna take that long. <laughs> it's not gonna take that long. Um But I'll tell you how important it is when you understand what the Lord spoke to me. Because I believe that there are believers here today who have a beautiful yes in their heart toward God. I believe that you here today, many of you who've made God the Lord of your life, you have a beautiful yes in your heart toward whatever God has called you to. This is what the Lord said to me. He said, my people have a yes in an aching heart. My people have a yes in an aching heart. And I believe today God wants to release a balm to your heart today. Now, if you're an unbeliever here today and you're listening in, I want you to know that God will speak to you in this message as well. Especially right at the very end, you're going to see something about God that that maybe you don't see often. Especially from the perspective of somebody who doesn't believe. So, I believe today that God is releasing a balm on the hearts of believers through this message. So, 1 Kings 17 is, is, is about a man named Elijah. It's really his grand inter- introduction. And he was uh, and is, I should say, one of the greatest voices of God that the earth has ever seen. And by the way, the earth will see him again. Because Elijah actually never died. Chariots of heaven came and picked him up in a whirlwind, carried him home, and God has an end time assignment, and Elijah will come again. He's still alive. One of two witnesses that will return in the last days. But twice in this chapter, all about Elijah, God specifically uses the words, I have commanded. Now several other times it's implied. So you can make note of those times of implication. But we're going to examine the early ministry of Elijah and learn about the specific commands to a person God wants to use. Now, the reason why this is important for you to understand this is because God wants to use all of you. God wants to use every single person here. Every single person he wants you, want you to do it from the right perspective. He wants you to have the right kind of expectation. You can write this down if you're taking notes. This is a, a bad expectation always leads to disappointment. Bad expectation or wrong expectation always leads to disappointment. Like Going to Disney World. If you think that is fun in July, you are wrong. Or you are six. Because that's the only person it's fun for. It's hot, it's sweaty, (laughs) don't empty every ounce of. Money that you have if you go. (laughs) Wrong expectation will always lead to disappointment. Always will. Even in your walk with God. And Today, I want you to have the right kind of expectation that will lead you to the right place. And the commands of God come with that. They come with a certain idea or a certain expectation that happens in the life of believers cuz a command is not a question right you know you know you know you've you you you've you've, you've, you've uh, said to your children that can you pick this up that's a question it gives a child an out like they're going to answer you I'd rather not but when you say pick this up it's like you're expecting a response. A command is a statement with an expected response. And the commands of God are actually, they come from heaven with an expected response from believers. And so we need, to, we need to understand. And when I, when I say the word commands, you immediately think about the Ten Commandments, and that, that's good. Uh, not only in the Old Testament, all of them repeated in the New Testament, by the way. And so that we know that those are things that we should do. or things that we should avoid. And so you need to understand there's something beautiful about the commands of God. Now, we're going to read all of 1 Kings 17, but I'm going to do it with a compare-contrast about the commandments of God. The first thing you need to know about the commandments of God, the commands of God are not for your comfort. You should write that down. That's a big one to remember. The commands of God are not for your comfort. If you're at 1 Kings 17, we're going to look at verse 1. It says, And Elijah lie to the Tishbite the, of the inhabitants of Gilead said to, said to Ahab, Ahab, Ahab is a wicked king. He actually is the one that God assigns this title to. Worse. He is worse than his father. He is worse. He is really bad. So if you can imagine, Elijah is called in a time where things got worse. He says... To Ahab Elijah, as the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew or rain these years except at my word. Listen to this. Listen, this is this is what this is the part that you need to understand. He goes to a worse king and says, There will be a drought that starts now and won't end. Until I say, he says this about himself. He says, he says, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand. He's he's saying, the Lord commanded me to say this and to pray for this in his presence. It's implied here that Elijah got this command from God. But I want you to understand this today. The drought affected Elijah too. God commanded him to call a drought on himself and the whole nation. I mean, this guy is probably the one man that is... He he is quoted more often, and his, and uh, the same spirit that rests on Elijah rested on on John the Baptist. I mean, he his his he will come again one day. This mighty man has now been asked for God to pray down a regional drought that is going. To make things hard for him. Matter of fact, if you look at verse seven, it says, And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. God does not give commands for your comfort, He does not give commands for your comfort. You see, God's ways are way higher than our ways. His thoughts way higher than our thoughts. And I know that the, these, are, these are not the things that, that get a lot of amens. Yeah, good, good pastor. Whoa. Yeah, God's not giving me a command for my comfort. But you need to understand something, that there is something that will be revealed when you walk in obedience to God's command. There will be something that is revealed. You see, the commands of God reveal the God of prayer. See, in James chapter 5, we get a New Testament uh, perspective on on 1 Kings 17 uh, verse 1. It says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Do you hear this? He says, you can identify with Elijah, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. See, we didn't get that in verse 1, but we get it here in the New Testament. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. You'll see that in 1 Kings chapter 18. Listen, the command of God wasn't for his comfort, but in the command of God was was revealed the God who answers prayer. He is the God of prayer. I want to to say it to you this way. There are many problems today that a lot of people face that there are easier ways to deal with those problems than God's way. Let me give you an example that is directly connected to this. The scripture tells us in Philippians, it says, Be anxious for nothing. We hear that. Anxiety is at an all-time high. Sociologists and psychologists say that right now, Americans, despite all of the connectivity online and the social networking, they feel more alone and more isolated than ever before. Anxiety is at its highest, and people feel alone, and they don't know what to do about it. By the way, the scriptures tell us what to do about it, but most of the time, most of the time we just go the easy way. Another bottle of wine, another drink, I'll just get high. Stronger prescription drugs. That's how I'll deal with my anxiety, but you know the Bible has a prescription for, uh, uh, the, uh, for anxiety. You know what it is? be anxious for nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God and the God of heaven he will release peace and it will garrison you it will guard you God's answer to, uh, to anxiety is prayer our answer is a shortcut for our comfort and I'm telling you right now if you ever want to come into a place of real peace you won't find it in a bottle you won't find it in a pill you will find it in the place of prayer. See, obedience to the command of God, even to pray on your life, will reveal how God will use you to shape history. Obedience to the command of God on your life will reveal how God will use you to shape history. That is why we are so committed to Thursday night prayer. We meet here every week for Thursday night prayer. Some of you have never seen there. Let me just give you the command. The Scripture says, pray without ceasing. It is a statement made by God with an expected action in return. You say, well, I can't make it. Never. I know Blacklist is on Thursday night. <laughs> It'll be just watch it the next day on NBC on demand. Okay. I, I don't know what you're watching or what you're doing. I don't know what your plans are, but but never. See, there's an easy way, but see, God's commands are not given for our comfort. They're not given for our comfort, but they do reveal the God of prayer. One of the greatest pictures of corporate prayer and why it's so important was actually when Moses and Joshua were walking together. And and God said, you send Joshua down with the army, Moses, and he's going to go down there and he's going to win the fight if you will take that staff and hold it over your head. And if you can keep that staff up, held up over your head, they will prevail. But Moses, by himself, his arms started getting tired. But then there was Aaron and a man named Hur who got a good idea. They said, we're going to give you a rock to sit on, Moses. Hello, the rock of Christ Jesus. If your prayer is not based on Jesus, it will not last and Then these brothers went and stood right beside him and grabbed his arms on both sides and held him up and when When the staff or the rod of God was lifted high over those who were battling they prevailed. And I want to tell you this. When the church decides to link arms and lift up the power of God, which is His declared word and the move of His spirit and we stand at an arm in arm and we say, God, you didn't give me a command to pray because you were interested in my comfort. You're interested in revealing that you are the God who answers prayer. You will come and you will stand and listen. I'm, I'm believing with all of my heart. Heaven is is going to shake this county through this church. But it happens when God's people say, God, it's not about my comfort. God, it's about your command. And your shoulders may grow weak from carrying the requests that come in. And you may say, man, this this looks too big until God starts fighting the battle that you are believing for out in the world. See, the commands of God are not for your comfort. They reveal in this the God of prayer. Let me make another exciting statement. The commands of God are not for your promotion. The commands of God are not for your promotion. Verse 2 says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward, and notice this words, and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. God's words to Elijah, God's voice to the king. He has just had an audience with a king. And now God says, Go and hide. Anybody ever been in the place where you feel hidden? Anybody I, I know I have an important call, God's left let me have audience with kings, but now I'm just in hiding. Because the commands of God are not about your promotion. Matter of fact, sometimes the commands of God are so uh, brilliant, even the place where he sends us to hide us tells us the story of why we're in hiding. See, he sent him to a brook called Cherith. Literally, it just simply means this, cut, cut. You might call it the brook of cutting. It's called cut because it's literally describing erosion. What water does over a period of time. It separates the land. So God tells His man, the one that He wants to use to shape history, go down to a brook of cutting go and hide in a place of cutting i want you to understand that sometimes the commands of god are hiding you because there are things in our lives that need to be cut away by the water and the presence of God. They are the unnecessary things, those things that if we carried them into our callings, it would certainly shipwreck that calling. We have to allow the commands of God not only to lead to the transformation of the people that we're called to, but must first allow the hand of God and the command of God to lead us to transformation. He had to cut some things away in a place of hiding. I'm telling you today, church, that God in His grace will take you and hide you to form you and make you so He can release you. But what do you learn in the place of hiding? Here's what you learn. The commands of God reveal the God of provision. And it's not about your promotion, but you in that place will reveal the God of provision. And it says, and it will be that you shall drink from the brook, for I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, and he went and stayed by the book Sheriff, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Listen, here's what this means. Here's what this means. God, in this, in this, this, this seriously, this weird circumstance, takes something that its nature is to steal for itself. And he uses the words, which are in the title. He said, I have commanded ravens to feed you there. They are not by nature giving birds. Drive up and down any road in Citrus County, find any, citru- any, any roadkill, there will be crows fighting with buzzards. They want to they steal for themselves, and it's for themselves. Uh, 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 what's the application to us? That God will take people and organization and things who are by nature self-centered and in the midst of it, bless you by them. You could be at a job and your boss hates everybody else. And for some reason, you have favor. You say, I don't know why it's just a raven. I'm I'm over here hidden. I'm over here allowing God to cut on me, and He's doing a deep work in me. But there's this favor coming. People will accuse you. You must be brown nosing. What are you doing? Nothing, I'm just hiding. I'm just hiding. And what do you find in the place of hiding the God of... The God of provision, he feeds him there night and day and takes something with a contrary nature and blesses him because he said, God, your commands aren't about my promotion. But when I'm not concerned about my promotion, you'll show up and be the God of provision. That's a good word for somebody right over here. That's everywhere. I heard a story about a pastor and that pastor heard the voice of the Lord and said, I want you to move out of full-time pastoring and go into itinerant ministry. That means that you will go and you'll preach in different churches and maybe conduct revival meetings and, and do different things like that. And then God said this, however, you may not promote yourself. Don't even make one phone call. I'm not telling you that this is God's plan for you, but it was for Him. And supernaturally, God would give him like one a month. And then at one, God would speak to somebody and they would supernaturally, their whole budget would come in in one meeting in these little small places. Except during the summertime. There was this one summertime. I heard this story. Two and a half months, he had no meetings. None. He goes at the end of those two and a half months, he finally gets one. And in the one, all two and a half months, of supply comes in guys i can't explain the raven that god will use all i know is that if you will be obedient to the commands of god for you the ravens will come and the god of provision will be revealed now listen As we continue to read 1 Kings 17, here's another thing I noticed. The commands of God are not always logical. Oh, this bothers all the academics in here. Everyone who's got everything planned out already through 2020. You've already got it all worked out. Ooh, this one's going to bother you. The commands of God are not always logical. Look at this. Verse 8, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in the bin and a little oil in the jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Here, listen, listen, listen. Imagine the scene, imagine the scene. Elijah, who, who is walking in obedience to God, prays in a drought. Now the drought has affected him. But in the midst of the drought and walking in obedience... You know, he realizes that he cannot continue to work for his own promotion, but now he is walking in this supernatural provision of God. And now that he is getting some measure of revelation about the supernatural provision of God, I am sure the next command that he thinks is arise and go to Zarephath and, and find the richest person there. Because he has a well on his own property, and he has lots of fields. And more than enough grain for you. That is not what God said. He said, go to a widow. I imagine at that moment, Elijah said, man, I've got to be on the wrong frequency. A widow. But he heard those words again, for I have commanded. And the last time he heard it, God was talking to birds, and the birds obeyed. And this time, it's a widow. I can remember, back in the year 1999, I called my my immediate boss and her boss's boss in, and I said, I'm going to be leaving the company. God's placed a call on my life for ministry. They said, well, do you have a position? It's like, no. I don't. He said, um, what are you going to do? So I'm a, I said, I'm going to start a business that I have never, ever, ever done before. They said, Oh. This boss of my boss looked at me and said, you're going into ministry? I said, yes. I said, I know God's put a call on my life to be a pastor. And he looked right in my face and said, don't you know that it is the job of the church to keep its pastors poor? And I said, I'm not walking in obedience to them. I have to walk in obedience to him. And it was in that same moment God said, sell your house. I tried that six months before and the the sign, God blew the sign down the street. Five blocks. I found it five blocks away. This time, he said, sell it. And four days later, there was a bidding war on my home. I'm like, ooh, God's on the move. Nine months later, we got the call to come here. I want you to hear that. Nine months, a time of birthing. When the command wasn't logical to leave, the surety of retirement and pay, and I, at the time, had a nine-month-old baby... And by the way, people with their first child know nothing. <laughs> you just don't know. And You're just, I mean, you just like everything. It's like I picked up my newborn daughter. I had a two-door Mitsubishi Eclipse. I knew nothing. <laughs> as soon as I put the car seat behind my seat, I didn't fit in the car. You know nothing. You know nothing. And with a nine-month-old baby, I knew one thing. That the commands of God are not always logical. And God met our needs over those nine months. And just like Elijah heard go to a widow, he understood a, a principle that shows up in in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 it says in verse 26 it says for you see calling for for you see your calling brethren that not many wise according to flesh not many mighty not many noble are called but God has chosen listen to this the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise and God chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame things which are mighty that and the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing those things that are. You have to understand that God's commands are not always logical because they require this big, deep theological word called faith. And faith is a boat that's rocking and there's a wind and a storm, but Jesus is on the water, and you, like Peter, are saying, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. And faith hears the words come. And you can talk bad about Peter if you want to, but he made it a few steps, and he knew whose hand to call out for, and he walked with Jesus back to the boat, and then everybody in the boat believed. It's not always logical, the commands of God. I'm talking about the specific commands on your life. Now, they're not empty-headed either. There's blessing in the wisdom of God and the counsel of many, and God gives plenty of, of Scripture all about that. Don't be stupid. Be wise. But wise is obedient to God's call on your life. So what did the command of God reveal? In this moment, when he went to a widow, the commands of God reveal the God of compassion. The commands of God reveal the God of compassion. Compassion, literally defined, it means alongside suffering. Compassion literally means alongside suffering. He is the God who comes alongside our suffering. Imagine if you will for me that you were Elijah and you were keeping company with kings and now you've seen supernatural provision and you're doing all of this and that. And, 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 and yet God is calling you to continue to move forward this national ministry. I don't think in my heart Elijah was thinking about this widow, but God was. Verse 13 says, and Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. She obeyed the command. And she and he and her household ate for many days the bin of flour was not used up nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Elijah. There's a great principle here by the way. This is not a sermon about giving, but there is a great principle revealed here. Notice what she did. He asked her to go and get the most expensive thing in the land first water. He said, Go get me some water. And then he says, Oh, by the way, will you make, make me a cake? And at this point, this widow has to turn and say, Do you see what I'm doing? I'm gathering sticks. I've only got a little bit in the house because somebody prayed for a drought. <laughs> so we're going to eat it and die. But God, in the midst of using Elijah in national ministry, had compassion on a widow saw her suffering and said, listen, you tell her if she puts me first, I will bless the rest. That's why we return the first 10% to the house of God and God supernaturally blesses the rest. The commands of God are not always logical, but they reveal the God of compassion who wants to meet your needs and exceed the atmosphere in which you are living? We give to God first, and God blesses the rest. Listen, God had this widow suffering in mind while using Elijah in his calling in the book by Roland and Heidi Baker, great missionaries to the the uh, uh, really to the world, but primarily Mozambique went there uh, in obedience to God. To, to answer the call to build churches in the poorest nation in the world. She wrote this book titled this, Always Enough. They, fell, they, they, they fed hundreds and now feed thousands of, of, of orphans weekly. Have now planted over 5,000 churches. They had nothing. They would dance in the floods while their churches were flooded, they would be praising God in the mud. And you know what she said? In the midst of your calling, as big as it is, as great as it is, as supernatural as it is, you've got to stop for the dying. You've got to stop for the dying. And that's what this, is, this command of God is revealing. He's, he's saying, listen, if you will stop for the dying... I will reveal myself as the God who sees your suffering and does something about it. it. says, while God is using you, listen to this. Look for the people that are on God's mind. This is the place of miracles. You may have very specific callings and very specific anointings. But in your pursuing that calling, look for the dying and stop. That's the place of miracles. It's in the line. It's the person that's checking you out. It's the person that cut you off in traffic. It's the person that was just in the wreck. It's the person that's sick. It's the person that I know you're busy and you don't have time, but make time. Stop for the dying because that's the place of miracles. And that's the place that the command will reveal the God of compassion. God does have your con- calling in mind, but He also wants to reveal Himself as the God of compassion and He does that through us. The last thing that I want to bring up from First uh, Kings 17 is simply this. The commands of God are not always free of adversity. See, I, I felt like, and before we get any explanation, I felt like many of you, uh, followed the command of God to come to this place or come to this region, and you knew it was God, and you knew it was, you knew it was Him leading you here, but then adversity showed up. You say, what's the adversity in this story? Oh, this one is a big one. 1 Kings 17, 17 it says, now it happened after these things, after all of these miracles, that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick and his sickness was so serious that there was no breath in him. So she said to Elijah, What have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to bring my sin to remembrance and kill my son? The woman's son died and she said, It's your fault. It is your fault. That's, that was her perspective. Anybody ever had one of those curveball moments you just didn't see it coming? Things are kind of moving along. God's doing a work in your life. You didn't see this one coming and then all of a sudden, it's your fault? You're like, what did I do? I can imagine if he was a lot like us, he would say, you know woman, you've got flour and oil he used me but we that's that's just strictly my interpretation i don't i don't know what he did i don't know how he felt but i know how we feel that sometimes those curveballs come and what do we do in those moments what do we do when the command of god leads to a curveball we didn't see coming here's what we do we remember what do we remember God of prayer. We remember the God of provision. We remember that there is a God of compassion. We remember. And we do what Elijah did in verse 19. As the commands of God reveal the God of power. He says to her, give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying And laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, you also have brought tragedy on this widow with whom I lodged by killing her son. It's a question. It's not a statement. And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the the upper room in the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. Your son lives. You know, there's a New Testament command that's given that's kind of, I personally believe, I have a conviction about this, that this is our New Testament mandate. It's found in Matthew chapter 10. And I I believe it's our command that that would reveal the God of power. Verse 7. Matthew chapter 10 says, And as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Man, who doesn't want to do that stuff? But if you're healing the sick, it's because somebody got sick and it's probably a curveball that somebody didn't see coming. If they're dead... You definitely didn't see that one coming. Cleanse the leopards. I mean, who doesn't want to see the revelation of the God of power? I want you to understand this though. Even though that God is calling you to walk in a ministry that includes power, your call to a supernatural lifestyle reveals the God of the call. It reveals the God of the call. That means it's not because we're special, it's because He's supernatural. The commands of God are not without adversity. One hundred times in the New Testament, these two words appear together one another. One another. And many times, those commands are like this. It would be like, love one another. Be kind to one another. Forgive one another. I heard a story, you know, uh, a week from this past Sunday in Egypt. I have some Egyptian friends who are very connected to the Egyptian church. And those churches were bombed on Palm Sunday. And in that bombing, a dear husband and father was killed. A Muslim reporter reporter on state television was interviewing the wife and the mother of the sons. And this is what she said. She said, Oh, that I wish... Those who perpetrated this act were listening now. I have this message for you. We forgive you. We forgive you. Her and her sons, in the moment of greatest loss, were literally yelling to the screen. We forgive you. We do not hold you for this atrocity. We forgive you. The Muslim man who was interviewing them yells out on live television. He said, Christians are made of steel. They are made of a supernatural substance which adversity does not seem to affect. And if those who perpetrated this crime had known the depth of forgiveness that you would offer, they would not have done it. He said the Christians of Egypt are made of something else. They follow the commands of God. Well, because it's easy. Because it reveals the God of power. Our adversity isn't like that here. You kind of got to overcome schedules. Life. Shopping. Groceries. Getting your kids to school on time. But, how about this one? Here's a New Testament command. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some are in the habit of doing. But actually get together all the more often as you see the day approaching. Can I just tell you, That's why we do life groups. Not because it's convenient. Not because it's easy. Listen, because it's a command. And there there is something that God wants to reveal about Himself when you walk in obedience to His command. I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast from Calvary Church. Our prayer for you is that you experience all that God is offering through a relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. Please take time to connect with us and share what God is doing in your life through this ministry. You can connect with us through our website, InvernessCalvary.com or by following us on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks again for listening to this message, and God bless.